Welcome to the Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind Next Level ideas, products, and technology that are changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV. And my guest today is Steven Galanis, the co-founder and CEO of Cameo, the platform that lets you connect with thousands of celebrities and request a personalized video message for any occasion. In this episode, we discuss how Steven built a company now valued at $1 billion, starting with a simple idea that selfies are the new autographs. And what's next, including the newly launched Cameo Kits. So let's dive right in. All right, Steven, thank you so much for hopping on the show. I'm very happy to learn more about the whole Cameo journey. Great. Thank you for having me. And would like to start with like the expression that you seem to be using quite often, and that's the selfie is the new autograph. How did that come along? The selfie is the new autograph is something that we were talking about right from the beginning of Cameo. When we started to think about running into famous people in real life, when, when I was a kid or you were a kid, we would have grabbed a, a pen or a Sharpie and got them to sign a t-shirt or a napkin or a menu, whatever was there. But today, people want to have an experience with that person. And if it's not on the gram, it didn't happen. So basically, we had this big idea that the selfie was the new autograph. Because when you run into somebody famous today, you're taking a picture with them and you're sharing it on social media for your friends and family to enjoy. Right. So you don't just ask them for a signature on, on anything, but you want to take a picture with them. You want to make sure that you have a memory for yourself. How did the Cameo idea evolve and how did Seattle Seahawks come into play? So we had the idea for Cameo leaving my grandmother's funeral of all places. We started thinking about a marketplace where for X amount of money, you could do Y activity with Z person. So it's basically a marketplace where you could get a personalized video message or pay to meet someone in person or pay to have them send you a text. And as we started to iterate on this idea, Cassius Marsh, who is a player of the Seattle Seahawks, was the first talent that agreed to come on and was our first investor. And ultimately, you know, if it wasn't for Cassius, we, we, you know, it would have taken us a lot longer to get going. And were you considering similar concepts before setting on a relatively simple path? Like what were some of the other ideas that you had in mind in terms of how to actually structure it? At the very beginning, we actually thought geolocation was going to be really important to Cameo, and it actually hasn't been important at all. So we could have imagined that an NBA player is going to Oklahoma City, and they don't know what they want to do that night. So they could you know, put out on the app that they're willing to go have dinner with somebody the night before a game or go see a movie. So that's the type of thing we thought we would facilitate. But six and a half years in, we still haven't really done anything like that. <laughs> Do you think that uh, a winning idea has to be super simple? Because it seems like the the simpler you look at it, the more traction you get, at least in your case. For sure. I think simplicity is critically important. In fact, fight for simplicity is literally a value at Cameo. Cameo is one of our five corporate values. And when I think about the reason simplicity is so important, when you're taking kind of a newer novel idea like Cameo, It needs to be so simple that everybody could understand it. And I remember, you know, at the early days, people, while they might not have ever charged for a video like this, many people had gotten videos like this for a bar mitzvah montage or for at a wedding party or something like that. And many pro athletes had done videos like this, but only for, you know, maybe their agents or their agents' kids or something like that. So the whole idea, we weren't 
in a world where people already knew how to take video selfies because Snapchat and Instagram at this point were ubiquitous. You know, the next you know phase was allowing anybody to access these people, and and that's why the paywall became so important. And you mentioned that simplicity is one of your five corporate values. What are those values, if you can if you can mention them, and how did they become relevant? Uh, since you starting in in 2017 was it was it always that that you had them like in mind since the very beginning or did they evolve over time the values have evolved in fact just the just this year we've rolled out two new corporate values so I'll start with those because they're they're fresh off the press and you know I don't want to forget them the first one is challenge assumptions so it's the idea of really understanding from first principles why we're doing the things that we're doing so just because something's been done a certain way a cameo for six years that you know we should be asking why second is act like an owner and this is a, a really important one this one actually i came from linkedin where i worked before cameo but i i've always thought it's an amazing value no matter what job you have a cameo whether you're a ceo or you know you're you know doing anything else at the company everybody's an equity holder a cameo and we expect everybody to act like an owner at all times now for the more traditional cameo values the ones that have been around for a long time uh, the first is roll out the red carpet. And it's this idea that every single person that interacts with our brand, whether they're talent or a customer, they're every single person that we interact with and employ, they all feel special. They feel like if you're, they're interacting with our brand, it's like the same moment of you know walking down the red carpet at the Oscars. So you know, roll out the red carpet is very important. We just talked about Fight for Simplicity. That one really came from my co-founder, Devin, who you know, truly believes that, you know, there's nothing more difficult in life than, you know, keeping something really, really simple. And the temptation is always to complexify. So we constantly find ourselves battling, like, how do we make this simpler and easier? And then last one uh, is make it memorable. My other co-founder, Martin, you know, always will talk about creating moments that inspire. And, you know, one thing that I love is that everybody at this point, it seems, has a cameo story. They'll come up and talk a cameo they got a couple years ago. And, you know, when you ask somebody about a cameo they got, they always remember who it was. They always remember what was said. So make it memorable is, you know, the fifth core value. These are great values. And you mentioned your previous experience from working at LinkedIn and that it really helped you to kind of navigate the inception of the company. What was it like to leave LinkedIn and commit to Cameo fully? What, where, where was it coming from? Well, I had the idea for... Cameo right around the last quarter that I was at LinkedIn. And and frankly, I couldn't stop thinking about this idea. And it was really on a vacation with some coworkers from LinkedIn that had all heard about the idea that would become Cameo and were very excited about. Uh, that one coworker in particular asked me the question that really changed my life. And he goes, Stephen, this idea is too big. If you don't go for it and somebody else builds it, could you live with yourself? And to be honest, I hadn't ever thought about that, but the answer was very clearly no. And within the next couple of days, I actually wrote my, what we call at LinkedIn, my next play letter, letting the team know what I was going to be doing next to go pursue the dream. And that letter is still on my LinkedIn profile. So if you go check out my LinkedIn, you can read in real time the letter that I wrote. And that ended up being really special. It caught the eye of many employees at LinkedIn and many leaders at the company. And that actually directly led to some of them investing in the company and, and many of them coming to work for us ultimately. So it was, it was a pretty special place and LinkedIn had a really incredible culture. 
Wow, that's that's an amazing pivotal moment, and even better that you have it, you know, still living on LinkedIn, and you can refer back to it. And wow, that's that's very impressive. Thank you. So you you have been a trader, broker, sales executive, producer. How do you pull from all of those experiences in your current role? I mean, they're, they're all very different. And before doing that, I, I had my first crack at entrepreneurship in college, and and I think anybody that's ever known me just. You know, really believes that I'm a pretty natural born entrepreneur. So while I, you know, tried many different things and didn't do any of them nearly as well as as, as I have in Cameo, I feel like I finally, you know, kind of came into my own and found something that was truly my ikigai, guy, like the intersection of what I love to do, what I'm great at, what the world needs, and what ultimately people are willing to pay for. But you know, from different parts of my career, I, I learned different things. So in in trading, I learned about market making. And that ended up being really fundamental to you know many of the things that I do at Cameo, but probably most importantly, creating a pricing model made sense for both the customer and the talent to actually come and 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 do it. And in the very early days, when we were dealing with people that were making twenty million dollars in salary, we would teach them an equation called earnings per minute, where we would say, take your salary, divide by two thousand hours in a work year, and then divide by sixty, and you can find out how much money you make. In a sixty in a in per minute on your on your salary, and then by pricing the videos around their per minute rate, we could take somebody that was making a lot of money and explain to them how you know someone making twenty million selling a two hundred dollar video was actually worth their time. It was the same effective rate as what they make playing in the NBA. So those are the things that I, I really learned from trading, you know, from and I learned a lot you know, moving out of finance and coming into tech. And that's where I learned about concepts like having a growth mindset. And I was really excited about pivoting to technology because when I was in finance, people would always talk about how great it used to be. And, and you know, like, hey, the good times are over. You should have been here in the 90s. You should have been here in the 80s. Should have been here, you know, in 08, you know, all these different times that happen in trading. But in tech, people are always forward thinking. And, you know, especially at LinkedIn, learning about, you know, a company having a mission and a vision and core values. And, you know, I learned so many fundamental concepts at LinkedIn that, you know, really that was the formative experience, professional experience of my career that, you know, really gave me the tools I needed to to help build Cameo. And like, I love the example that you mentioned that if you take somebody who has extremely high salary and you really break it down into the individual hours and minutes in their in their life and year, then it ends up being reasonable amount. And I think that's something that people will not usually realize, right? They will not go and do the math right away. But it's very interesting that you have managed to crack the business model just based on that, just making sure that like you create a memorable moment that someone is willing to pay for a reasonable amount of money, but still like it's an amount that is not ungodly. Right, it's an amount that, like, you pay for for this experience. Maybe you pay for it because you want to treat somebody with with a surprise and so on. And then, if you really break it down into how much time it takes of that famous person, it it it, it is super smart. I have to say. Well, well, thank you. And again, it all it all comes down to supply supply and demand. And and one one guy that works for us today, I remember in his interview, and I asked him why he liked Cameo so much, and he goes. We have celeb- we have excess celebrity time for sale. I mean, how awesome is that? It's one of the most <laughs> rare, rare resources on earth. So I've, I've always loved you know, that framing since he told me that in an interview. 
Yeah, it's definitely an interesting space to, to work at and like the, the connections are extremely valuable. So that's that's 100%. You have managed to raise 65 million without a pitch deck. If I did my research correctly, mastering the, the cameo story early on, like how did that, how did that happen? How can you raise so much without a pitch deck? And you mentioned that you probably have gotten the initial traction already in LinkedIn by sharing your story, but like, what was, what was the secret sauce behind all of it? The secret sauce was always the, the product, the end result of what we do, um, you know, when you would show these reaction videos, so a cameo gets made and that's a very magical moment, but we would get from the very earliest days, like people would send us recordings of their friends or kids, you know, reacting to the, the cameo that they got. And it was just pure magic. You know, we were growing without any marketing spend because it was all word of mouth. And we had this really amazing, you know, marketplace business model where supply could beget their own demand. So the people on our platform are famous. They have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. And because they could promote on Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook, they could turn their followers and our customers for free. And because most cameos are a gift, I'd buy for you. You would share it on, on Facebook. You'd share it in your group chats. And this flywheel ended up just being so powerful. So in the really early days, I mean, investors had either heard about the product or they'd seen it and experienced it. But once they felt it, they just knew that there was something pretty magical about it. And that, you know, got a lot of investors very excited, you know, in the early days. It feels like a very interesting engine because you are tapping into the following of the celebrities and of the influencers and the incentives align, right? Because they are happy to share that they are on Cameo because in the end, it drives business to them as well. And like you are once again tapping into a potential pool of people that it will be extremely hard to to access otherwise. Yeah, for sure. And one of the other early learnings that we had, and, and this in part came from my co-founder Devin, who is actually one of the early stars on Vine. You know, an early observation we had was the internet was creating an exponential amount of you know more famous people. So think about all the people that are blowing up on TikTok every day today, or we're blowing up on Vine or YouTube or you know so many of the other platforms that have enabled there to be more fame than ever. Like while there's more fame than ever, the underlying business models of sports and entertainment, you know, were growing linearly, not exponentially. So there started to be this gap between fame and monetization and the creation of a cl whole class of people that were more famous than rich. And if we could go and help those folks monetize their social in a way that was brand positive, we could effectively pay them to become more famous, which is kind of the ultimate. You know, if you could get paid to become more famous and more beloved as a talent, that that is the ultimate. And it can help you turn your, you know, passionate fan base into highly monetizable super fans that, you know, and that this is really kind of the the dawning of what people now call the creator economy. How did you yourself with the right people and supporters and maybe even advisors early on to make sure that you are well equipped on this entire journey? It first started for, for us at 1871, which was a, is a tech incubator in Chicago. And, you know, if like I wasn't, we didn't go through Y Combinator or Techstars or any of those type of accelerated programs. 
but Chicago had this amazing space where you could go and learn from other entrepreneurs and learn from mentors and take different classes and really learn how to build a company. And that was really important. And I was, you know, very blessed to have a couple like really fundamental angel investors early, some of whom I'd known for a while, some of whom I'd worked for or worked with in my past. But, you know, they were for the beginning, there was a recognition that this is a global network effect business and the more people that we had that were kind of connected or plugged in. They could really, you know, help make intros and and you know give us the give us a chance to get off the ground. And you know, I'm so thankful to all the early investors, employees, mentors, entrepreneurs that I was building kind of alongside with. Because again, those are the people that really help you get through the the tough times early when you know you go months and months and months and. You haven't made a sale yet, or you know you have a marketplace for celebrities and and fans, but you don't have any celebrities and you don't have any fans on it either. So, yeah, that's a big yeah you know, for me. That's a really big thing that I've thought a lot about. You mentioned the Chicago-based incubator, eighteen seventy-one, and like how did the the initial fundraise of some early stage money in in Chicago actually help you to like really grow the business? Was it important that it was in Chicago? I, I think I think it absolutely was. Uh, companies like Cameo, you know, historically haven't really been built in Chicago, at least at that time. And you know, now there's a, a very thriving a consumer creator economy market, you know, marketplace businesses that are doing well in Chicago. I've been and I'm proud of that. Many of those people worked for us and and, and really grew up at Cameo and now are going off to start their own ventures. But at the time, this was, I thought being in Chicago was important because we were close to our customers. People in Chicago love sports, they love entertainment, but, you know, folks in that market might not have the opportunity to come and, and work and, and learn and grow in the industry that they really love if they're in Chicago. Even people like Ari Emanuel, arguably the most important, uh, powerful person in entertainment. He's from Chicago, but, you know, to go and get his start, he had to go to Los Angeles. And, you know, I think it's been really cool that a whole generation of, of you know, young people now have been able to come and work in Chicago and stay in our hometown and you know and have the dream career that they wanted without having to move. That's nice. And like when you can be really picky about selecting the investors, how do you like how do you make those decisions? What are some of the things that you look for when you are in a position that you can actually select? Because I think a lot of founders and entrepreneurs, they would love to be in, in that position, right? But one very rarely gets there and you are one of the very fortunate people to be able to to do that. And how do you go about it? Look, I think it starts with personal you know, personal relationships and integrity. One belief that I have is that trust is consistency over time. And having investors with a long track record of being there for founders and good times and bad, these, these are the types of things that you can suss out through CEO interviews with other board members or with other CEOs that have worked with the, the people that you're about to bring on your board or on your cap table. And you know, we've been really blessed from our investor base. These are high integrity people that have a track record and m many of them had previously worked with people in my personal network and that you know really made me feel comfortable taking their money and, and putting them on my board. It feels like a relatively smooth journey for yourself. Bring the business up and, and, and scale it. But I'm pretty sure that there were and there are certain challenges that you also encountered or are encountering right now. 
what are some of those that you run into? I mean, I think it's been well publicized that you know the last year has been a really tough one for our business. You know, coming out of during COVID, Cameo was growing like an absolute. You know, it was like. It was just completely like a rocket ship. And you know, when you do that, you raise money, you go hire a bunch of people. And then as COVID ended and the supply side, you know, the talent on our marketplace started getting back to work and you know, going to sporting events and doing concerts and having comedy specials again. And customers were getting to go see their loved ones again in person, or they could go travel or do birthday dinners. You know, we started to see a reversion to the mean and we started to see, you know, a lot of the heights that that we got to, you know, started coming in and, you know, we we hit our hiring plan and we missed our revenue plan for a year. And and that led to some, you know, really painful times at Cameo over the last six months where we had to do multiple rounds of layoffs to make sure that we could extend runway to keep you know, pursuing our, our, our mission and vision. But, you know, these are, you know, absolutely gut-wrenching uh, moments. You know, so many of the people that I think about when I think about Cameo that that really were fundamental to building this and unfortunately aren't here anymore in, in many cases because of, you know, decisions that, that I made. And it's something that, you know, weighs on me uh, a ton. And at the same time, like my job, the best thing I can do is to make sure that the business is, as strong as possible, you know, for our employees that have put their blood, sweat, and tears into it, past, present, and future, for the investors who've, you know, had confidence in us, you know, we, we, and for all the, you know, talented fans that love our marketplace, the people who, you know, are, you know, supporting themselves on it or, you know, giving one of the best gifts that, that they could ever give to somebody that they love. So I feel an enormous amount of responsibility to keep charging on through the tough times and, you know, I, I believe that, you know, things happen uh, for you, not to you. And, you know, right now, this period that we're getting through, hopefully will create, you know, a much stronger, grittier, more resilient, you know, version of Cameo. I can totally see that. And of course, like, I, I, I totally understand that what you were going through in the past year was probably not the easiest. And I think that there's many, many companies that feel it the same way. Um, and you had to go and make some really difficult decisions. Uh, what were the things that you kept in mind while making those decisions? Or what's kind of your guiding star that you follow yourself? Because like you are in a very tough position to do that. And you mentioned that it puts weight on you in terms of the pressure that is out there. So do you have some special approach to it or coping mechanisms to to handle it? I wouldn't say there's a special, you know, approach or coping mechanism, but it really comes with like having a missionary zeal about what you're doing. You know, there are many opportunities that, you know, maybe maybe if if you don't have the energy to do the job anymore or, you know, you're not passionate about it or you're not waking up every day, you know, feeling the the pain of the customers and saying how do we make this better or thinking about the opportunity and pursuing it with everything you have. If I wasn't able to go do that anymore, then, you know, I would go step away and find somebody else to run the business. But, you know, I'm jacked up and motivated and, and you know, still believe in this company, you know, just as much as ever, but understand that there's really tough times. So from a first principles perspective, I've just been thinking, you know, what can we do to give ourselves as much runway as possible? And what can we do to give ourselves the most at-bats to go and, and find the next big inflection point for the business. And that's what we've tried to do. And now 
going back a little bit to the early days, how did you get the celebrities on the platform early on versus how does it work today? Because you have built a brand and right now it's very clear that the value proposition for them is there. But what was it like back in the days to to convince them to hop on? And they were also not used to right doing these, right? So look, it was it was hard. You know, luckily we were able to start with some people we knew, so folks we went to college with or played sports with or knew from our personal networks. And luckily, many of them were able to say yes early, and that was that was really important. Uh, once they were on, they started telling their friends, their bandmates, their teammates, their other creators that they worked with. So we started to really grow the business via referrals early. But you know, people like my co-founder Martin, you know, have like Martin, I think, has personally signed up something like ten thousand talent over the last six years. And to 10, get ten thousand, and, and to get wow. ten thousand, imagine how many people would have had to say no to him. Uh, so I mean, we're talking about you know tens of thousands of conversations with agents and managers. But you know, at the end of the day, like we would first talk about you know, what this could be. But you can imagine when you're building a marketplace and you're saying, hey, we're gonna we're creating this marketplace for athletes and celebrities to interact with their their fans. And people would ask, well, who else is on it? And we'd say, nobody. And they'd say, well, what fans are using it? None have so far. <laughs> or you would talk to the customers and talk about this platform where, hey, you can get Michael Jordan to wish you a happy birthday. Do you have Michael Jordan? No, we don't. Not yet. And, and then we kind of had to build both the supply and demand side of the business uh, brick by brick. So today, largely, it, it's it's kind of the same. Although, of course, like we built this brand. So people now you know, largely understand what Cameo is. They understand the business model. But today, there's really three main ways people join. One, we recruit people. We still reach out to talent and, and convince them to come on. Second, people can just download the app. And if they have a big enough social following, they can apply and, and our team will let them on. And then third, referrals, which have always been a really important part of our business. How long did it take you actually to go from leaving your job and LinkedIn to having the first MVP of the product? It took us about three months from the time that I was full-time at Cameo till the time we sold our first video. Well, only three months to build build it all up. And what were like some of the things that you took as a shortcut to get the product out? Because I th- I assume that you don't have to go and invest a lot of money into building a fancy mobile app that will facilitate that. But you can kind of plug in a lot of different services to do that for you, right? Yeah, this is a great question. So we, and, and again, I, I credit my co-founder Devin on this so much. You know, Martin and I are not technical, so we didn't really know what we were doing at all. And we're like, we need an app, and there needs to be geolocation, and there needs to be all these things. But Devin very much believed that you know we shouldn't code anything unless like there was you know, that was like the last resort. And the very first version of Cameo was us emailing the talent telling them to record a video and email it back and we would stamp a watermark on it. So really like before having any product. And in fact, I think we had done something like 10,000 videos before we even created an app for our talent to record the videos. We used to use things like Facebook Messenger and Telegram and create chatbots where we would send the request and they would do it right in this app that they already had. So I really believe that you know so many of like Devin's early, you know, early insistences that we not code anything until we you know, didn't have, we knew exactly what we wanted to build, ended up saving us a ton of time and, and money and were, you know, really excellent decisions in retrospect. 
I think it's a great example of how to build a lean startup that you just plug in a lot of different services together to validate the idea. And just the fact that you managed to bring it all the way to 10,000 shared videos via email or, or these messengers, I find it extremely impressive. And I see a lot of companies that are like really doubling down on this approach and trying to glue together a lot of services to validate their product market fit and validate their business models. But there's also companies that try to build an app from the day one. And it's very hard, right? Because it's a huge investment and it's, it's, tough, to, it's tough to validate and it's tough to iterate. So uh, how long did it take until, until there was a solid product in place that would facilitate the recording and the distribution? I mean, look, I would argue that we're still, you know, we're still there. I think you should always <laughs> be embarrassed by the product that you put out. And, you know, you should be proud of the team that's building it, but you should always look at it and say, this could be better. This could, you know, we, we need to constantly improve. But, you know, look, I think it took us a, at least, at least a year, if not two, to get the product to a point where, you know, we felt pretty confident pitching any talent in the world and, you know, felt like it wasn't going to break or wasn't janky or it felt buttery, but we still continue to iterate on that today. Where do you still see some of the shortcomings of what are the things that you would like to improve in the product? Because you mentioned that you should always be embarrassed. I would totally agree that you should be embarrassed when you are releasing your first version. I'm not sure if that mentality should continue for, for a long run, but yeah, I would love to hear how you look at it and how you would evaluate the current state of the product. Because to me, it feels like it's a very polished app in a way. And there has been, I assume, a massive investment into it. But you probably see it differently. Look, you know, we, we're going to need a lot more than an hour for this conversation. So I, I'll just tell you that there are so many things that, you know, should be better and could be better. And what I think about Cameo as a user, not as a talent, but actually as a customer. You know, when I get a video, there's a few things that I want to do. I want to be able to very easily, you know, save that video. I want to be easily able to share it on social or on SMS or in any group chats. I want to really easily be able to download it and, you know, be able to post it on Instagram or something like that. So these are all core flows that are so important. And I still don't think, you know, six and a half years in that they're as buttery or good enough. So I would just start with like the three most fundamental things that someone's going to do with their video and say that they all need to get better and we should always be grinding and you know making it easier and smoother and I, and I've seen so many you know great product innovations that our team's done you know people forgetting their cameo password was a big thing and we've recently moved to passwordless like a passwordless account creation and you know it's just so much easier so we're we're just constantly trying to make the product better and like considering your massive investment that that you received so far, how big is the like you raised 165 million? Is that right? How big is the team behind building the product, and how how big is the team overall? We've got about 130 employees at Cameo, and and probably you know about 50 of them are in in our in our shipping department, as we call it. So this would be engineering, product, data, and design. And do you feel that like, would you like to be moving faster or do you feel that it's the, it's the right pace considering the current situation? And, and like you mentioned that runway is something really important for you as well. Like I always want to go faster. And in fact, for, you know, most of the last couple of years, I, I felt like Cameo was a formula one car that was almost stuck in second or third gear. 
So you know, you're never going to hear from me that we're going too fast. I, I always look at it and say, how do we go faster? How do we, you know, how do we make quicker decisions? How do we move on and, and you know, keep attacking our roadmap and building you know, our, our, our vision out? So like, where do you see some of the untapped potential for Cameo and what are some of the initiatives and plans for the future? Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, I think that Cameo has too long been a one size fits all approach. And, you know, I think we need to give talent the opportunity to use Cameo the way that they want to, to, to t- turn their brand and build it into a business. So I can imagine, you know, being able to pay talent to do, you know, what we set out to do at the very beginning. I talked about it at the very beginning. The core idea with Cameo was a marketplace where for X amount of money, you could, you could, you know, pay to do Y activity with Z person. And you know, really six and a half years in, we, we pretty much only have you know one or two different Y activities and there's a whole host of different things that we could enable. So I'm excited to you know keep giving you know our talent and our creators better tools to you know really build a business around their brand. And secondly I think about international and what a huge opportunity it is. Really without you know too much dedicated effort you know, this is a, a, a business that has talent in over 170 countries and, you know, sells cameos in over 180 countries every year. But, you know, really, it's largely a, an English only talent base, most of it. And, you know, how big could the opportunity be in, 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 in Russia and in Japan and China and Korea and, you know, all over the world? You know, my family's Greek and my parents are always like, why aren't the Greek singers on cameo yet? And the truth is, like, there's a market for that, but we just haven't been able to attack it. So I think international is, is such a big opportunity. And then lastly, you know, another huge opportunity is is I believe, you know, with the growth of of different platforms and even, you know, thinking about the risk of something like TikTok potentially getting banned, I think talent and creators need to own their own audience. And I think that there's a big opportunity to create, you know, create almost like a talent CRM where folks can can really own their audience and it's platform agnostic. So they're not having to worry about what happens if I get kicked off this platform or, or this platform shuts down. You know, we saw this happen to my co-founder Devin when, you know, he had over a billion loops on Vine and then Vine got shut down and he really lost his, his following. So this is something like I've been thinking a lot about, team's been thinking a lot about, but those are some of the big opportunities. And is there something in particular that you have in mind in terms of the younger audience that you have on your platform? Yeah, we're really excited about Cameo Kids and, and and everything that comes with animated characters and using, you know, generative AI and and all the exciting new technologies that are coming up you know, with that right now. So that's a that's a big focus going forward as well. Would you go and set up an engagement or license the IP so you can go for maybe the big blockbuster movies and include some of the characters from those on the platform? Is that is that kind of the direction to to bring in uh, that that IP that the kids love and just animate it and make something unique with it? For sure. And you know, today we've we've long had a lot of the voice actors on Cameo, but you know, it's like, would you rather have a cameo from the voice of Bart Simpson or would you rather have a, you know, a Bart Simpson cameo, right? Like if we could get the license done, you know, from the IP holder. So there's there's a whole world here. And I think it's almost like a whole new chapter for the business as we pursue that. But again, IP holders are looking to, you know, create new and novel ways to monetize their IP. And this is something that, you know, the fans are starting to demand. They want to interact with 
their favorite IP this way. And, and we're excited to watch the growth of, of kids. Yeah, and you have mentioned that owning your following is is something that you keep in mind. And I can see that, especially in the influencer world, that's a topic that is being discussed more and more. Do you feel that there could be a technology how, you know, the platforms like yourself could integrate with? So when the influencers are building their following, it can be unified and it can be shared across the platform, across the platforms, or like what's, what's your take on this and where would you love to see that going forward? Look, I, I think there's a lot of ways that this problem could be solved. You know, blockchain is, was one that a lot of this time last year, a lot of people were thinking, you know, could, could be the answer to, you know, talent kind of owning and managing their own communities. I'm not going to speculate on exactly how this problem is going to get solved, but I do think that it's critically important that it does get solved because, you know, as I mentioned, like the underlying business models between sports, entertainment, and the creator economy are, are all businesses that are growing linearly and the amount of talent in the world is growing exponentially. And the only way that gap's going to get closed is if there exists better te- better tools for talent to directly monetize their fan, fan base. So I'm a big proponent of direct-to-fan monetization. I think that's going to be the business model of the future underpinning the creator economy and, and a lot of you know, traditional sports and entertainment. But ultimately, the tools are not nearly good enough yet and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, I feel you. And we we will definitely get there. And as I keep hearing about this, I think that there will be somebody who will come to solve this. And like, if there is a product that that provides that, would you go ahead and integrate it on your platform right away? Uh, Again, we're we're happy to any anything anytime talent have another platform that they can use to to better get the word out to their fans. Like we're gonna. You know, hope to make sure that they're you know promoting Cameo on that and letting their followers know. So you know, very much our business today exists on the rails of you know Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and all these follower graphs and the talent being able to turn their followers into our customers by promotion is a very fundamental part of our business model. Yeah, what I wanted to ask you about is you are in a very interesting space because you mentioned that most of the most most of the product of of Cameo is gifts, right? It's usually people getting a video for somebody else. And I have no doubts that there have been a lot of very, very memorable stories of what what happened or what was delivered. Do you have a couple of, of them that you would like to highlight? I I could go all day on this one as well. But the one that I always think about when people first ask happened actually very early in Cameo's career. There was a a singer named Ben Bruce from the band Asking Alexandra and a fan wrote into him saying that, you know, they're they they wanted him to make a video for their girlfriend who had just missed his concert in Chicago because her brother overdosed on heroin. But her but this guy's music was the only thing keeping her going. And, you know, it was such a source of pride and comfort. And imagine being the artist and being able to, you know, to to speak to this this girl and, you know, give her solace. Like that's the type of, you know, video that still gives me chills. Yeah, it's giving me chills right now as well. And how does it feel to be powering a business that is influencing people's lives so much? Because I can totally see you know, if you have your favorite actor or your favorite musician, and suddenly you get a video personalized them, like from them, 
telling you like uh, something very, very personal, I can totally see how that really impacts people big time. And like, how, how does it feel to be running a business that I think can influence people's lives so much? It's the greatest gift. You know, the fact that for so many people, the greatest moment like of the greatest day of their life is like is is got a cameo around it i think of another example where brett Favre, the you know legendary quarterback of the green bay packers is is pumping this girl up right before she walked down the aisle and her father had passed away and he was a huge packers fan as as was the daughter and they would go to the games together and he was telling this 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 girl about how proud her dad must have been and he was sharing thoughts about him losing his father and how he went and played the best game of his life that night. And, you know, these are the types of moments that, you know, really make it memorable as we talk about from our core values. Yeah, that like, and it really resonates with me that like you are in a position that you can really, uh, it's, it's at a tap of a button that you can really create something that resonates with people hugely. What's been some advice from successful people that you have taken to heart? Again, I could go I could go all day here, but one uh one thing that's pretty relevant because I was talking to one of our long-time employees that has recently left to go start his own business, and I was thinking about this concept of what makes exceptional founding teams. And a guy named Dave Cummings at Atlanta Ventures, I remember talking to him about what he's seen repeatedly in the best consumer startup teams. And he always said there's you know, the best teams have you know these three co-founders, the the hustler, the hacker, and the hipster. The hustler is the person that's just gonna be this force of nature and, and gets people, you know, excited about what they're doing. The hacker is gonna find some new and novel way to 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 go do something that's never been done before, but then the hipster knows where the puck is going, and they understand what's going to be cool in the future. And and I've really encouraged other founders that I that I work with, especially early stage, to make sure that they have all three of those in in their founding team. How do you break down the hustler, the hacker, and the hipster within your team? Or is that is that too personal? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's I think it's very much there. Devin is very much the hipster. Like Devin, like knows what's going to be cool. You know, as does Martin. To be honest, Martin talks to talent all day and just really has such a, a good sense of what what they're doing next and what they're excited about. You know, I think from the the hustler side, you know, Mar that's very much Martin and I. And uh, and the hacker, you know, like so much of our business was built through Instagram DM, which was like a new and novel way to get out. So. I think our founders, you know, all really do a good job, you know, embodying you know, many of those traits. It's it's a great advice, and I love I love the approach: the hustler, the hacker, and the hipster. That's it. You have joined the advisory board of Autograph, Tom's Brady's NFT company, and the first cameo was sold as an NFT in twenty twenty one. How do you feel about the Web three space? What do you think is is happening there right now? Look, I think I think Web three, the potential behind it is is really exciting. You know, just like a lot of different hype cycles that I've seen, the VC hype cycle around Web three and even the consumer one, you know, kind of is something like I'd never seen before. You know, the founder of Autograph Dylan used to work for us at Cameo. You know, one of the co-founders, Rich, is on the board. So that's how I got involved with that team at the earliest stage. But it was amazing to watch what they built. I mean you know, within kind of months, they'd build a business that was, you know, just as important in, in the tech space as, as Cameo, if not even more so, you know, getting some of the most premium talent in the world to come on it. I, I do think that, you know, 
broadly the crypto downturn and and a lot of what's happened with TX and and other things you know has been pretty pretty unfortunate and I think it's definitely you know slowed the role of of a lot of you know money and talented people investing in the space but I really do believe that there's great companies that are going to be forged by this fire and you know and I'm excited to see what comes out the other side but I do think that yep. consumer um yeah they're they're remains to be there needs to be a lot more consumer protection in general you know in in the web3 spaces we saw from you know all the fallout from ftx but also you know how many people do you know that are deep in crypto that have been hacked or lost you know lost some you know like coins or or lost an nft so i just think that there needs to be a lot more to be done there but you know talented people are working on it and building it got it if you could make a guess what do you think is going to be the tech trend in 2023 that will pop? We're seeing it already. I think ChatGPT is is going to be the continue to be the story of the year. I mean, I, I've never been more wowed by a technology demo than when I first put that in. I think it's fascinating and and thinking about how that technology could be harnessed and you know how it could even you know maybe disrupt things like Google and instead of like searching for something like you just ask the question and it gives you the answer it's really going to be cool to see how you know we we work alongside ai and and the more that these models are are being used the better they get and that to me that's definitely the story of 2023 yeah it's it's already a trend right now so we'll see how how far this can go but i would definitely agree with you Stephen, I wanted to thank you so much for hopping on the show. As you mentioned, we could go on for hours and hours and would definitely like to revisit the discussion at some point and see what are the, the updates that come up. But until then, I wanted to thank you so much and wish you the best of luck. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And we'll of course be thankful if you leave us a review. That's it for now. Till next time on the next level show.